0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-Sports.com. The Arkansas sports cluster is about a month away. We're going to talk about some of the things to expect with that. For those of you who don't know what the sports cluster means, it's when the recruiting dead period is lifted. It's when baseball starts up, March Madness for basketball, and spring football uh, as well. All of those things overlapping at the same time. About a month away from that, we're going to discuss all that more on today's episode of Hog Sports Live. Before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't followed the page yet on Facebook, be sure to do so. All of the stuff, all of our free content, all goes to that Facebook page. Also available on YouTube. Throw us a thumbs up or a like on both of those platforms and subscribe if you haven't done so already on our YouTube page. Also available on Apple Podcasts. Certainly appreciate any five-star reviews uh, out there. And let other people know what to expect with the show. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. And Hog Sports is just $1 right now for your first month at hawgsports.com. Start with baseball. D1 Baseball has Arkansas number eight. Dave Van Horn actually probably just wrapping up a Swatters Club today. Andrew Ellis is there. If you want to read all of his content on Razorback Baseball, also talks about some of the spring scrimmage and all those things that uh, that are well. Is it spring? Technically, winter scrimmage, winter baseball, uh, all those things that um, that are going on right now with Razorback Baseball. You can read all of Andrew Ellis's content at Hog Sports. Some of it's free. Some of the more in-depth stuff is VIP. So you do do need a VIP membership for for the best stuff on Hog Sports. So, Arkansas ranked number eight by D1 Baseball right now. I think they were 11th by Baseball America. They opened the season February 17th against number 19 Texas in Arlington, College Baseball Showdown. And then the next day it's TCU and then Oklahoma State that Sunday. So, that's number 19 Texas, 18 TCU, 9 Oklahoma State. If you want to know how to watch, you probably guessed Flow Sports you'll need to get flow sports. I know everybody's excited about that. Arkansas basketball, 65-63 winners over South Carolina. First road win of the season, first true, true road win of the season for Arkansas basketball. It's crazy to even uh, – you would not have thought that entering this season with the way everything's gone, but uh, – Nice game for, for Devo Davis. Continues to kind of be the face of this program. Anthony Black also had a good game. You'd like to see him finish a little bit better down the stretch. You know, just looking at where Arkansas basketball is right now, five and five. They've won four straight in the SEC. Five and five overall, 16 and seven overall. Excuse me, five and five in the league, 16 and seven overall. That puts the Arkansas basically in the middle of the pack. Now, if you kinda of look at where Arkansas was last year, or if you if you look at like what Arkansas needs to do to get to the NCAA tournament, Curtis has a great breakdown on all that, Curtis Wilkerson, for those of you who don't follow Curtis Wilkerson, uh, on Hog Sports. But if you look at the baseball or excuse me, the basketball team last year, you know, obviously they were like so okay, so just to kind of paint this, so he's got a nice breakdown, just like where Arkansas was last year versus this year. Joe Lenardi a year ago at this time had Arkansas as an eight seed playing Murray State. Today he's got him an eleven seed playing Miami. Jerry Palm had him an eight seed playing Colorado State, eleven seed this year playing Penn State. So he's got several other analysts, bracketologists, and stuff that you know kind of comparing last year to this year. I'll say this: if you look at last year uh, SEC basketball standings. If Arkansas takes care of business the rest of the way, I believe that would put them at at home, if they take care of business at home the rest of the way. I think that would put them at 9-9 nine and nine overall. If you look at last year, there were several teams that went 9-9. Nine and nine. Alabama, South Carolina, Florida, LSU, and Texas A&M all went 9-9 nine and nine last year. That wasn't enough for Texas A&M, Florida, or South Carolina. Alabama and LSU made the NCAA tournament. So, you're kind of in iffy iffy territory. However, if you look at a lot of the stuff out there, Kim Palm, all that stuff, net ranking, you know, they have Arkansas pretty firm in there. But, obviously, this is a huge stretch coming up. They've got Kentucky next, Tuesday, 8 o'clock, in Lexington at Rupp Arena. Kentucky has won six straight SEC games. So they're on a bit of a roll. They lost to Kansas in between there and the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But that's going to be a really tough matchup on the road. They win Kentucky. They beat Kentucky, and they take care of business at home. I say they're they're in there for sure. Doug Gottlieb had an interesting tweet. He since deleted this. Doug Gottlieb. So this is what he said. People ask what happened to Gonzaga. Gonzaga. They had, they had Anthony Black put him on this team somewhere near the Jalen Suggs-type prospect, and they are elite. Arkansas came in with a bigger bag. It isn't illegal. It is the current climate. That's a really interesting take for a Sunday morning from Doug Gottlieb. Like, I mean, wouldn't it also stand to reason that Gonzaga also brought a bag? Like, he wanted to go to Spokane, Washington. He wanted to go to Gonzaga, but – Arkansas just paid too much. <laughs> I mean, just a ridiculous take from Doug Gottlieb. No wonder he deleted this tweet. You wake up Sunday morning and you put that out there. Really interesting. Where was he when he was talking about like all the blue blood programs that were just buying players before all this NIL stuff? Really weird take. Gonzaga, by the way, is 19-5, and 8-2 and two in conference, in their cakewalk of a conference. They lost to Tennessee, lost to Texas, beat Kentucky, lost to Purdue, beat Michigan State, lost to Baylor. What does that put them, like two and four outside of their conference? I beat Washington, three and four. Beat Alabama, four and four. So about 500 playing good programs outside of their conference, which they're eight and two in. Anyway, that just struck me as a really weird comment to make. Looking at the rest of the schedule for Arkansas basketball, Kentucky, obviously, Tuesday, it's February 7th, today's Monday, for those watching later maybe, on ESPN. Mississippi State, Bud Walton Arena, 5 o'clock on Saturday, That's a nice time. That game's on ESPNU, at Texas A&M. That'll be a tough one. ESPN 2, 8 o'clock on on Wednesday, February 15th. Saturday, February 18th, Florida in Bud Walton Arena, ESPN or ESPN 2. Tuesday, February 24th, Georgia. Saturday, February 25th, at Alabama. Tuesday, February 28th, at Tennessee. That's a tough stretch of games right there. And then wrapping the whole thing up with Kentucky and Bud Walton Arena. There are opportunities to prove your worth, Arkansas. I mean, there are some really tough games here mixed up. At Kentucky, I mean, you should take care of business at home. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy, but you should take care of business at home. But at Kentucky, at Texas A&M, at Alabama, at Tennessee, and then Kentucky at home, those are the ones that really jump out. Thought this was a cool distinction for Rocket Sanders. So, 24/7 Sports came out with their top 25 returning running backs. I assume they'll do this at every position group. So we'll see where like KJ Jefferson is, but Rocket Sanders, number three, returning running back in the country. Here's the here's what it said about him. And I'll I'll just I'll name the other the other ones. Uh, Quenchon Judkins at Ole Miss, number two. I think that's fair. He led the SEC in rushing. 1,567 yards, 16 touchdowns, top 10 marks in the country in both categories. Blake Corum at Michigan is, uh, is number one, the favorite to win the Doak Walker Award. So, Rocket Sanders. Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson struggled to stay healthy last season, allowing opposing defenses to turn their attention to slowing down Raheem Sanders. He responded by rushing for over 100 yards in all but five regular, regular games. On the year, he took 222 carries for 1,443 yards and 10 touchdowns. His most productive, his most impressive performance was against Missouri, where he rushed for 232 yards and three touchdowns on 24 carries. He went over 170 yards three times throughout a simply dominant campaign. Jefferson returns to the offense in 2023, which should allow Sanders to have an even better season if the two are able to help, stay healthy. They've got to figure some things out on the offensive line. I think they have the answers there. It's just a matter of of getting it figured out. That's going to be a real big focus in the spring for us, seeing who fits where. Bo Lemmer moving inside to center, but they've got to replace Ricky Stromberg or Bo Lemmer moving from guard to center, however you want to look at that. Uh, they've got to replace – uh, Dalton Wagner at right tackle, Luke Jones at left tackle. So, basically, they've got two returning starters back on the offensive line. You also have Takias Crawford, who played quite a bit last year. Not a young guy anymore. You know, is Andrew Chambly? does he take over that left tackle spot? Devon Manuel, is he a guy there? There's a lot of Joshua Braun coming in from Florida. Where does he fit in? A lot of interesting things could happen on the offensive line. Brady Latham, is he maybe the left tackle? He certainly played every position. But that's going to be a big part of this. I mean, 1,443 yards and 10 touchdowns. Rocket Sanders did not have as good a finish as you would have liked to have seen. You know, the last – he obviously was hurt in the bowl game, uh, the last regular season game. Was it the last regular season game? One of the games – I felt like they had an opportunity to really get him the ball, and it just didn't work out. Is this right against Missouri? 232 yards and three touchdowns and 24 carries. Is that an accurate? I don't remember that being. This may be a. All right, got to look at Rocket Sander stats. We're going to look at game-by-game game Rocket Sander stats.
0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's not
1: right. They mistook Ole Miss. They messed up. And so there's a typo in there. Against Ole Miss, he ran 24 times for 232 yards and three touches. I didn't think that sounded right because I felt like in Missouri there was an opportunity for him to, you know, take over the rushing title and he only had 10 carries for 47 yards. I need to point that out to somebody. Got that wrong. 10 carries for 47 yards against Missouri. The big game was against Ole Miss. Uh, and then in the bowl game, he only had three carries for 17 yards because he got hurt. He got rolled up kind of from behind. So there was an opportunity for Rocket, had he stayed healthy against Kansas, had he gotten the number of carries that he should have gotten against Missouri. That's way too many, way too few carries. Uh, there was an opportunity for him to surpass Quinchon Judkins and also surpass Alex Collins to be the highest-ranking running back uh, in the in, in Arkansas history, not named Darren McFadden. I think Alex Collins had 1,500-something. I can't remember exactly what Alex had. But, um, yeah, I thought that didn't sound right. I'm going to have to email somebody. So what's next for Arkansas football? A lot. There's a lot going on. So, spring football, the red-white game, for those of you who haven't heard yet, it hasn't been publicly put out by the university, is going to be April 15th, okay? The uh, football spring starts on March 9th, okay? They have 15 practices they're allowed, and the way it's setting up, they haven't like outlined this specifically yet, but the way it sets up – the red-white game will be the 14th practice, and then they'll hold one after that. They did not do a red-white game last year because of the Garth Brooks concert, if you remember. Arkansas Derby's on April 1st. Not going to interfere with that. So, I, it, the way it'll start out, they'll have five practices before the break. I think that's a Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. I think that's the schedule. I'm almost positive that's the schedule before spring break, which is March 20th. Technically, that's the Monday. So, From there, usually you go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. So that would be March 28th, 30th, April 1st, 4th, 6th, 8th, 11th, 13th, and 15th. So that's 14 total practices. Recruiting. Recruiting. In February is, the t- is a complete dead period. So starting April 1st, well, March you'll, you'll be able to, to do stuff, but like on April 1st, you'll be able to start welcoming, welcoming in official visitors, and that runs through June 27th. June 27th is not always the date. It's just the last Wednesday in June. So when April 1st gets here, you're going to start seeing a lot of prospects come in for the 24 class. The evaluation period opens April 17th when coaches can go out on the road. You get 168 days, recruiting days, during a 42-day calendar window. So if seven coaches are out on the road, then that counts as seven days, all in one calendar day. Not hard to figure out, I guess. It's just a little kind of confusing language. They should change that from recruiting from days to, like, recruiting opportunities or something. I don't know how they would change that. But 42-day calendar window from the day you start, not including spring break, to uh, – to uh, well, that wouldn't include spring break. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> but 168 recruiting days on a 42-day calendar window. Where spring break would apply, I think you have, like, 34 days – from the start of spring football to wrap it up. And so I think spring break is taken out of that because, according to this, this would go over that. Transfer portal window opens on May 1st and wraps up on May 15th. That's going to be a wild 15 days. I mean, if it was like – I would imagine it's going to feel just as wild as the last one. The last one was 45 days long. Now, we're still going to see transfer portal stuff. There's guys that are in the transfer portal right now that don't have a home. So we'll still see transfer portal commitments and things like that. Um, We'll even see guys that say, hey, I'm entering the transfer portal, even though they can't officially enter it until um, May 1st. But Arkansas has 76 players on scholarship heading into next season, if nothing else changes. 76 players on scholarship. I think we talked about Cade Fortin. Cade Fortin will count against 2020, he'll count against 2022 class retroactively for this semester. And then next semester in the fall, he'll count against the 2023 class. So that puts Arkansas at 76 total players. We've kind of outlined where Arkansas needs to go, what they need to recruit to fill up the rest of the roster. That doesn't mean they're going to go sign nine more transfers. I mean, it could mean they'll probably lose some guys. There's probably going to be some guys that maybe don't like their situation from the new transfers who have come in. You know, we've got 22 new players coming in that are participating in the spring. Ten of them are transfers. There will be some guys that be like, I'm suddenly third team. I thought I'd be second team or maybe competing for first team who will enter the transfer portal. So, we say nine right now. It will probably be more than nine when it's all said and done. You know, Arkansas has had, I think, 26 total players who entered the transfer portal. Some things to look forward to. I do want to flip over to questions. This is kind of going to be a, a question-driven show today, so we're going to rely on you guys to to get a few questions in. Um, Paul Mitchell says, what the hell, and is requesting that we start over. And then everybody else says it's all good. We always get one guy, it feels like, Every week, who says there's no sound or something's messed up or there's no video? There's always, if it's not on this, it's always somebody in the comments. It's like, and that, like, on when I post it on YouTube or something. Thank you, Jonathan Parker. All good on your end. Uh, Hunter Hall says, Will Arkansas pull a better quarterback than Walker White? How about Jake? Merklinger, or Air Nolan. Um, those are some guys I'm specifically familiar more with Aaron Nolan. There's still a long time until signing day. I mean, you got eight months to maybe convince Walker White to come to Arkansas. Uh, I was surprised that he picked Auburn. Uh, I thought he would probably pick Clemson. Um, and Arkansas wasn't even in the final three. And I think a lot of that is just because of how things were prioritized under Kendall Briles. And that system not really being a great fit for Walker White. Uh, For those who don't know, I think it was February 3rd, he committed to Auburn um, from Little Rock Christian. And really, you know, a family with a strong legacy uh, for Arkansas. His grandfather, John Reese, played at Arkansas. I think he was on the 69 team. Um, His brother, John Aaron, or not his brother, excuse me, his uncle, John Aaron, his brother, John David White, Played at Arkansas. He was a walk-on wide receiver before he transferred to UCA. So there was a lot of Arkansas connections there. Um, but, I can mean, I can understand, you know, they're prioritizing Michael Hawkins with Kendall Briles. And I feel like Hawkins was ready to commit to Arkansas. Then they had to change with Dan Enos, reprioritize Walker White. And ultimately, I think probably just a little bit too late. We'll see if they can gain some ground there, but obviously quarterback's going to be an important position next year. They're going to need to bring in two quarterbacks if they're going to fit the numbers properly with scholarships and stuff So, um, because they'll lose Cade Fortin out of eligibility. K.J. Jefferson most likely. This is his last year, so they need to bring in a high school guy and a guy probably from the transfer portal. It's hard to get two high school guys that are uh, you know, of, of real good quality. So, Danny West has some breakdowns. He's broken down every position group for 2024, basically at least on offense. I think uh, with a big red board for quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. I think maybe wide receivers the last one he did. Cody James says AB was getting recruited by our receivers coach. Yep, forgot his name, Kenny Guyton, and he he tipped Mus off about him. That's how we found Anthony. And the bag. (laughs) Matthew Turner says, I know we keep asking, but any news on Nick Smith Jr.? No, nothing new on Nick Smith Jr. If he's going to play for Arkansas in the NCAA tournament, he needs to probably, you know, that probably needs to start happening pretty soon. I didn't mean to like word. He needs to probably start doing this. Um, Obviously, he's got the knee issue. So, that needs to resolve itself Fairly soon, right? I mean, he can't just jump in to March Madness and be a guy that's going to lead Arkansas. So hopefully it happens. Uh, I, we did a poll on Hog Sports; It's very 50-50 on whether people think he'll come back or not. There was some talk last month that he'd be back in February. We've seen him on the sidelines for home games. I mean, I think we all, you know, first of all, need to hope that Nick's – gets fully healthy because he's got a big future ahead of him and at the same time we all want to see him play for the hogs right i mean think about what nick smith did his journey at arkansas guy could have gone anywhere in the country in high school to play at a prep school or something but decided to stay at home and play at north little rock home state school and had his eligibility question had to go through all kinds of hearings and all kinds of stuff just to be eligible i mean it was really ridiculous you got the number one ranked player in the country out of high school who wants to stay home and play for Arkansas. And we're like, Hey, you can't. Um, So it had that whole journey and then ends up at Arkansas calling the hogs and has just, it's been an, it's been an unfortunate year for basketball. I've been impressed with, you know, how they've, you know, slowly started to figure things out, figure the pieces out here and there. The emergence of Devo Davis has been really impressive. guy's 40% from three-point range in SEC play. Never would have thought I'd see that from Devo. Just figured out where he needed to step his game up. Um, So Arkansas has figured some things out. I don't know that I would say that this is an Elite Eight team, not without Nick Smith, Jr. Matthew Turner, I know we keep asking, but any news? Oh, I just read that. Cody L. James says, speaking of buying players, you hear that Jim Beheim start throwing all those other teams under the bus. <laughs> Did Crawford need surgery or just rehab? I don't believe I heard anything about surgery. It To me, it looked like an ankle sprain and maybe – Maybe it was like more 50-50 if he'd come back in, but I, I think it's just a rehab deal, just a sprain. It just, uh, it just looked like a pretty typical roll-up from behind. Don't quit on white. To make today's quitme- uh, commitments mean nothing, says Danny Hively. Uh, commitments never meant anything, really. You know, I, I always bring this up because like anytime somebody decommits, somebody said, there's always the guy that says commitments, they don't mean what they used to, which I always respond, did you marry your eighth-grade girlfriend? You were committed to her at one point. So did commitment ever really mean anything? Anthony Jackson says he hears me. Appreciate that. Sounds like they need Ozarks go. Absolutely, Evan Baker. <laughs> Gil McGarity says, Do you think the Hogs will still play Notre Dame in 2025, or will that change since Oklahoma and Texas coming in could change our non-conference schedule? It's a good question, Gil one that I had not thought about. But the non-conference schedule is almost certainly going to nine games when Texas – and it sounds more and more now like it will be 2025, which nobody thought. Everybody thought they'd end up coming over early. But it does sound like it's going to end up being 2025 before that happens. And with the idea that you move to nine conference games, I would hope that you would still play a tough non-conference opponent every year. I don't want to see them play f- three teams that they should easily beat, three teams that they pay to come play one, a one-off game uh, in Fayetteville. I just – I'm hoping that everybody continues to play one Power 5 or Power 5-type team like Notre Dame, BYU. Um, one of those teams every year continues. I hope. And then just two, you know, easier games. I would like just to see maybe one easy game as a warm up game, like your first game of the season. You play an easy opponent, and then let's get it on after that. Cody L. James says, "What's your too early prediction for the baseball season?" We're going to have Andrew Ellis come on next week after things kind of get get gearing up for the uh, the college baseball showcase, and he'll talk to us more. You don't want to hear any of my thoughts on baseball. I'm just I'm not good at it. I'm not. Passionate about it. I mean, yeah, I follow the Hogs, but I am—I uh, would argue probably that everybody watching this video right now knows more about Razorback baseball than I do. I stick to football, commenting on basketball. That's that's my that's my niche. Niche, niche, niche. Jonathan Parker says, "I think with all the transfers this year, is becoming." is because the coaches weren't able to hold camps during COVID years. Most of them are going to smaller schools. That's a good point, Jonathan Parker. And, and Sam Pittman spoke about that a little bit, just how difficult it was to evaluate prospects, especially that first year, the 2020 class. I mean, they're looking off film. You know, they're not getting the guys in camp. Now, having said that, when you get guys into camp stuff, you still mess up. One of the things that always annoyed me a little bit about Brett Beal, who I always like Brett, but, I mean – My best friend annoys me too, you know. But one of the things that always annoyed me about him is he would get so bent out of shape over recruiting rankings and how much he would trust his guys over, you know, guys at Rivals or 24-7 Sports um, and, like, what makes them qualified and and all this kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is when you bring in a recruiting class, half of those guys are not going to pan out. You're going to miss on half of them. I mean, that's just the way it works. So for you to trash recruiting rankings because they're not 100% accurate when you're also – you have probably more resources, you think you're more qualified, and you still miss on half the class or more, I mean, that's that's a bad look. And I'll say this too, like when guys go to the NFL – They get all the high school tape, all the college tape. They have, you know, psychologists, medical examiners, everything that they could possibly want to evaluate a prospect. And they're still going to draft your Marcus Russell. They're still going to draft Ryan Leaf. They're still going to make colossal errors all the time. They're still going to draft Tom Brady in the sixth round or whenever it was. I mean – Football is its a hard thing to evaluate. Now, the odds that you like are ranked a five-star prospect and you go to the NFL are very high versus if you're a two-star. Now, two-stars make it to the NFL draft. It happens. A lot of times, if you go to those profile pictures of guys who are two-star recruits, there is no profile picture. Um, there's very little information. Maybe they didn't go to camps or anything, or uh, maybe they hit a big growth spurt afterwards. Things like that, things that you just can't measure. You know, if guys aren't going to camps and stuff, it's kind of hard to evaluate them. So, a lot of times that's where a two star comes from. But, like, the odds of you being a five star and going to the NFL are dramatically higher than if you're a four star, which are dramatically higher than if you're a three star and onto a two star. That always bugged me a little bit that Brett would take every national signing day and just start slamming recruiting services. And it started because he had a class at Wisconsin that was ranked like 51st. Again, I like Brett. You know, personally. I find myself rooting on Illinois. Dustin Hoofman says, agree or disagree. New coaches have done a good job recruiting, replaced two coordinators, and we still have big names committing to the Hogs. I like the guys that they've added in. I like, out of all of them, I mean, I like Travis Williams a lot, but like the newer new guys, I was really impressed with Marcus Woodson. And if you look at what Marcus Woodson did, by the way, we got to get some more questions in or this is going to be a short show because i got like one more. If you look at the guys, like if you look at what Florida State did in 2019, the year before he arrived there, they were 13th in the ACC in pass yards given up. Last year – Not only were they number one, did I say SEC, ACC? Not only were they number one in the ACC in pass yards given up, it's like 165 yards a game. They were fourth nationally. So they go from one of the worst pass defenses in the country to the time he got there. His title there, by the way, is defensive backs coach and um, passing game coordinator for the defense. That's a pretty dramatic turnaround. He's also known as a hell of a recruiter some Florida State fans are a little upset with him because of the way the Travis Hunter thing went. Okay, he was the lead guy for Travis Hunter. They had him all the way until National Signing Day, and he flipped Jackson State with Deion Sanders. Now he's going to Colorado. But that was, you know, kind of one thing that Florida State fans were a little upset with him about. But, I mean, look what he did on the field. And, and, you know, we're talking about Fans on message boards and stuff, and these are your usually your most diehard, the guys that know everything about the inner workings of football. But in this day and age, also, and when I say that, I mean like message boards, like people who are like on twenty four seven and stuff. My experience, anyway, nothing against you know free message boards or anything. Um, that's just what I generally look at the the, the pay message boards. So. I think Arkansas is getting a hell of a recruiter with him and a guy with a really proven track record who also has some really good familiarity with Travis Williams from their time at Auburn. He's the guy that really jumps out to me personally. Darren Wilson, I think, is really intriguing too. I thought he really handled himself well up there. I did not know that he was being pursued by two other SEC schools. LSU was one of them. I don't think Pittman named the other one, but – I like the defensive coordinator staff right now. And really there's an opportunity. If you look at it, you're a defensive coach, and you look at Arkansas, what they did last year, I would think, hey, you know, it basically, I mean, Arkansas's defense may have been the worst in the SEC. It was definitely the worst pass defense in the entire country, dead last. 131st out of 131. There's an opportunity to say, you know, as one of those guys, look what we did to this secondary. They got some work to do, it's not going to be easy. But yeah, I think they they hired some recruiters. Anthony Jackson says, "Do you think Ford or Dunning will transfer after this season?" I used to always never talk about transfers. But in this day, it is something that you have to talk about. Back before the transfer portal happened, it was there was like I think it was like 40% of your roster in basketball was going to transfer. Um, I think it's even more – it's higher now. There are two players that are on this team who were on the team last year, Devo and Kamani. So, do I think Ford or Dunning will transfer after this season? I certainly hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but, yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know that they're planning on transferring or thinking about it. I just know that they're not playing. Do I think eventually they could be good players for the Hogs if they stuck around? Sure, I do. Um, in this day, nobody really sticks around, though. They just don't. Do I, 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 I would hope they stick around, but, yeah, my gut, you're asking for my gut opinion, it's that, uh, yeah, they'll transfer. Just kind of the way things are. Matthew Turner says, as the roster stands today, who do you see as our starting lineup with football? Wondering which of the new guys end up starting. That's a good question. It's a lot of question. So, offensive line, Bo Limer at center, left guard, Brady Latham, two returning starters from last year. I like Takias Crawford at guard, so I'm going to slide Takias Crawford in at right guard. I will go at right tackle. That's a tough one. You know what? Even though I like Tacius Crawford at right guard, it's still about getting your best five on the field. So I may put Joshua Braun at right guard, even though I don't know a whole lot about him. I'm just kind of, you know, basing off of things I've heard. Um, I'm going to go Joshua Braun at right guard, and I'll go with Takias Crawford at right tackle. And then I've got a battle with Devon Manuel and Andrew Chambly at left tackle. Tight end. Um, Tyrus Washington, I think will be your tight end. I just think, you know, Nathan Bax is the older guy, but when you talk about, you know, a guy that's, you know, been in college for a while, so bring some experience, played in five games last year, still was able to maintain his red shirt because of the rule with the, uh, um, with the bowl game, you've been able to play a fifth game in the bowl game. Um, I just think, you know, experience with playmaking ability, when you combine those two things, that's that's Tyrus Washington. I, I think the other guys Luke has and um, Shamar Easter will play. Easter not enrolled early, but um, I think those guys will play. I also think those guys can split out a little bit. And wide receiver, I mean, I'm going to go with the tra- with the transfers. I would be interested to see if Isaiah Satania makes a really big jump from last year to this year. You know, he had some health issues last year also. But I would go with uh, Isaac Tesla, Andrew Armstrong, and um, Tyrone Broden. I think I'll go with those three. With some serious push with Bryce Stevens and Isaiah Satania. And, hey, don't count out Sam Bakke. Don't count out Jaden Wilson. Those guys have a lot of potential also. So that's for wide receiver, or excuse me, for offense, that's it. I mean, obviously, rocket standards are going to start at running back. And you got A.J. and, and Rashad DeBinion behind him. Uh, defense Defensive line, I will go with uh, Cam Ball, Torian Carter at defensive tackle. No, you know what? Cam Ball, Eric Gregory at defensive tackle. We'll see on Torian Carter how well he comes back from the ACL. But I do think Eric Gregory moves inside. Uh, defensive end, Zach Williams, Trajan Jeffcoat. We'll go with those two guys. Maybe John Morgan pushes there too. Linebacker, Chris Paul, Anthony Greer, Antonio Greer, Antonio Greer. Uh, I'll go with those two guys. I really like Manny Powell, Jordan Crook is some younger linebackers that could push and I I would think they also add a transfer linebacker uh, in addition to Greer. Secondary we'll go with this is all top of my head so if I miss somebody I don't think I'm missing anybody but if I do uh, excuse me Quincy McAdoo at one corner Dwight McLaughlin at the other corner they said Lorando Johnson's a corner but they're still going to get their best three guys out there and I think that maybe he ends up as a nickel um, I'll go Al Walcott at uh, at one safety spot, and the other safety Hudson Clark, I guess. Cam Little, kicker, punter. Um, it's slipping my name, but um, the Australian kid, Max Fletcher. I should not slip my name because my neighbor used to be named, or still named, but it was my old neighbor was Max Fletcher also. <laughs> All right. What else we got here? Dustin Hoofman says, What are your thoughts about how our O-line and D-line stack up to SEC standards? O-line, I think, is stacks up well. Uh, I think the D-line will, too. It's just a matter of, you know, do you have the depth on the interior? How well does Torian Carter come back? When you talk about, you know, how things could look, Torian Carter coming back. Cam Ball, I think, absolutely is right there, SEC caliber, too. Um, so those two guys. And then you have uh, Eric Gregory, I think he'll move inside, 6'4", three, oh, three already, ready, listed as an end last year. But they'll play more four-man front this year. Um who am I leaving out? I feel like I'm leaving one guy I meant to talk about out. Cam Ball, Torian Carter, Eric Gregory. They need to get they need they need at least one more defensive lineman out of the transfer portal. I know that. Um, Nico Davier I think is another guy that has a lot of potential. I think he'll end up being inside. I like. I think they're the the end spot is in good shape. And I think they're okay on the defensive line. I don't know if I would say, like, SEC standards, what do you mean by that? Like, do you mean, like, you know, the 10th best defensive line in the SEC could still be better than any of the defensive lines in the Sun Belt, you know? But I I I wouldn't say, like, I don't feel like this is, like, an upper-tier SEC defensive line right now. I don't think it's 10th either. Aaron Anderson says, do you think Singleton will be the next starting quarterback after KJ? I think it'll probably be Jacoby Criswell. I think they really upped the backup quarterback position and in the, in the position overall. Quarterback in 2023 is better than it was in 2022 just for the simple fact that you got K.J. back for a third year as a starting quarterback. Uh, you've replaced Malik Cornsby, who's off to Texas State, with Jacoby Criswell, who I think is a much better passer, who also brings some um, you know, pretty dynamic legs to the table also. Cade Fortin is also back. And you've added Malachi Singles into the table. Hopefully you get um, Cade Renfro back from torn ACL, another torn ACL, because I think he's a guy with some potential too. So I think they'll be much better at quarterback. But right now, and Singleton's got a whole year before we start thinking about this, but right now you've got – yeah, I think Jacoby Criswell will be your next guy. I'd like to see Singleton live this spring. And the reason I say that is because we go into one season after another where multiple teams end up starting the wrong quarterback based on a full competition that they had in camp. Um, TCU quarterback is a good example. Lost a starting job in, in camp to Chandler Morris. Morris got hurt. He comes in and is a Heisman finalist. Uh, we've seen that happen at Arkansas. We've seen, we we see it happen all the time. And uh, even with KJ Jefferson, his first year as a starter, you know, Sam Pittman was like, I didn't we didn't know he was that good a runner because you never saw anybody hit him in practice. You know, so the reason I say singleton and maybe even Jacoby Chriswell, that you'd like to see him live is because you're not necessarily relying on them to be a starter. And this is an opportunity to really get a good idea of what you have at quarterback. And by live I don't mean like tackle to the ground. All that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, really like thud them up, lock them up, keep them on the, you know, on their feet, uh, but hit them. Don't just tag off of them. That's what I would like to see. And, and one reason you also don't know, like, how does a guy react when a 270 pound defensive end puts him on the ground? You know, you just don't you don't know that they, they sit back in the pocket. They know nobody's going to hit them, so there's a lot of peace of mind that comes with that for a quarterback. And then you throw them into a game, and they get popped. You know the Mike Tyson quote. I don't have to say it. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Jonathan Parker says, "Haven't noticed before, but Devo was talking with the SEC with the SEC fans. I noticed that during the game on Saturday. Does that happen more often than not? Look like both were having fun with it. Yeah, I thought they were having fun with it, but uh, there was a couple of guys. One of them was in a jersey." Uh, that looked like they were definitely uh, yapping at Devo, and and he yapped back. I mean, Devo's a fun player to watch. He he He's unnerving sometimes <laughs> because I think he sees the world differently in a lot of ways and maybe sees the basketball court differently. And he does some things that you're like, wow, that was amazing. And then he'll do something else. You're like, Devo, what are you thinking, bro? <laughs> I mean, you guys remember when he shoved that dude into the bench last year and got tossed out of the game? But then he does stuff like that pass he did where he's coming down the lane and he dribbles it backwards through his legs and then goes back and then flips it over. I can't even remember who he flipped it over to. Maybe Jalen Graham. Um, which was just a spectacular play. I think the rest of the team also is starting to wake up to Debo a little bit in terms of, like, always be ready for one of his passes because he's going to throw a bullet no look at any moment, and I feel like they're waking up to that a little bit. The biggest difference with Devo, to me, has been his three-point shooting. I mean, you tell me you can't spend some time in the gym and work on it. The guy was shooting 18% for a long time there, and then SEC play starts up. He's working at it, working at it, working at it, and then suddenly, you know, he's 40% in SEC play. I think he's like 20 of 50. Zach, how – Hoggard says, are we looking at any big-time D-line transfer portal that we know of? Uh, there, I don't That I know of, I wouldn't say that I know of, but, again, there's another transfer portal window coming up. And they can take guys out of it. I saw a guy in the transfer portal committed today to somebody. So they can take guys it, just because the window opens up the first of the 15th. That doesn't mean anything. That's just when you can enter the portal. They can still add guys who are sitting in the portal right now. I don't know why you would necessarily wait to enter the portal if you weren't planning on, you know, signing early, I guess, unless you were at Georgia or something like that because they had a lot of guys interact in the national championship game. I would, as Rick Schaefer says, take every single player that's transferring out of Georgia, every one of them. Cody L. James says, just a few more here, I got the best jumper in the chat. No question, just letting y'all know. I got the best jumper in the chat. I'm not sure what you mean. It's over my head. Kevin Frost says Do you think the new transfer rules will help Arkansas football? Absolutely, they have the potential if you just take care of it right. NIL, as much as we're frustrated with NIL, transfer portal, the timing of everything, the calendar. Um, it can absolutely help a program like Arkansas that doesn't have as big a backyard as some of these other schools. No question about it. Chris Bennett says, any update on Nick Smith Jr.? No update is the answer. No update. All right, everybody. Different show. I wanted to get some questions today because a lot of times, you know, I'll have Danny on, we'll talk recruiting stuff, and it's great. Um, But... A lot of times lately, it feels like we have missed questions from people. So I wanted to make sure that we got some questions in. You probably can't tell from my energy level. I don't know. Maybe you can. I've been feeling a little under the weather lately. So not 100% energy wise today, but we'll get it back. Get it back. We're going to have Andrew Ellis come on the show next week just to talk a little bit more about baseball since, as I stated, I can't really help you much there. We want to make sure we cover baseball. Uh, And you can read all of Andrew Ellis' stuff on hogsports.com. Follow him at Andrew Ellis 247 on Twitter also. But we'll have him next week. Of course, we'll get to some questions, hopefully, uh, from you guys. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting few days with basketball. I mean, the next time we'll talk, Arkansas will have already played Kentucky and what Mississippi State, I think, is the next game, 5 o'clock on Saturday. So next time we talk, we'll have a couple basketball games to talk about the whole landscape of where Arkansas is as a basketball program could shift a little bit uh, in that amount of time. So hopefully it'll be good news. Hopefully it'll be a good shift. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.